What's up, everyone? I am Ryan Wolt, and welcome to week two of the Roast West Coast podcast, all about coffee, presented by Owl Podcasts. I'm just thrilled to be bringing this first season to you. I love coffee. I love getting inspired by the entrepreneurs and innovators making things happen in the coffee industry today. Throughout season one of this show, I'll be sharing the stories of some of the very best coffee roasters in the hyper-local community of North County, San Diego. This week, I may be even more thrilled because I survived week one. If you haven't already heard it, be sure to go back and check out my interview last week with Steve Rail, founder and head roaster at Zumbar Coffee and Tea, and our Coffee Smarter session with my own coffee sensei, Chris O'Brien, founder of Coffee Cycle. This week, we have a great guest, owner, founder, and head roaster of Steady State Roasting in Carlsbad, California, Elliot Reinecke. I met Elliot several years ago while going on Sunday Funday coffee and donut bicycle rides hosted by Patagonia. Each week, we'd take a leisurely ride out to a path overlooking Encinitas, have a donut along with a fresh cup of AeroPress-style coffee that Elliot had roasted at home. Elliot's one of those truly inspiring people who seems to be able to focus and succeed at whatever he puts his mind to. Since then, he opened a cool little cafe on State Street in Carlsbad Village, which he quickly outgrew, and then opened a bigger space just down the block. He's also started winning coffee roasting awards around the country and developed a devoted following in the neighborhood. Check out a gallery of the shop on SteadyStateRoasting.com and use the promo code OWL10, that's capital owl one zero to get 10% off your online purchase of coffee beans. You won't regret it. I strongly recommend starting with the House Blend Space Traveler. Even though these shows are recorded virtually due to COVID-19, this conversation felt a little different. Elliot was on a patio with some chirping birds and green trees in the background, and I was near a window feeling the incoming breeze. It almost felt like we could have been sitting outside of a cafe somewhere. I hope you enjoy it. And now, it's time for me to pour myself another cup of good coffee and the show. Welcome, and uh, thanks for joining me on the Roast West Coast podcast. Yeah, of course. You are the founder and lead roaster of Steady State Roasting, Carlsbad. But I know that before coffee, you were a professional cyclocross mountain biker, surfer, board builder. What got you into the coffee game in the first place? And and at what point did you were you inspired to say, this is more than just something I'm, I'm enjoying. I'm going to make a career out of it. The career part just kind of came organically, if you would. My, you know, I went and stayed with some friends in Vermont. We were going to a mountain bike race, and I brought them some locally roasted coffee from San Diego. And my friend's wife managed a few cafes out there, and they used Barrington Roasters, who's one of like the first good like third wave roasters, if you would. This was probably like seven, eight years ago. And um, the next morning, they were making coffee, and I'm like, "Oh, cool! Are you guys brewing the coffee that I brought?" And they're like, "No, actually, you can just." hang on to that you know for your travels they didn't even want it and i was like oh uh why and they're like well smell smell the coffee like just a bag of our coffee and it smelled like blueberries and like kind of floral and they're like and smell the bag that you brought and it smelled like an ashtray and i just always loved until that point drinking coffee like the whole kind of the um ceremony of it if you would and you know the energy wise but and for being active and doing stuff outdoors i just always enjoyed it it wasn't really till that point where I thought it could be kind of different. I didn't really know that. So then, you know, I bought a bunch of coffee from them from when I was in the area and went to a bunch of cafes there. And then just when I would travel the country racing, I would kind of go and when I would get to a new city, wherever the race was, I'd go to as many cafes as I could, like in between everything, which is a pretty popular thing to do now. And I would just try all the coffee, just kind of looking for that really good coffee again. 
so when I got, you know, got back here to the house, I started ordering online, started brewing um, coffee a bunch of different ways, and then was eventually like, well, I should learn to roast coffee. Um, you know, kind of always just chasing that, like, the aha moment, if you would, of like, oh, wow, coffee can taste different than just like burnt or dark or bold or whatever, you know, it can have fruit notes and stuff like that and be really smooth and really enjoyable black because they used to always put cream and sugar in it until that point too. So I got like a little home roaster and started roasting in the kitchen and I was like, oh, I can save a little bit of money if I buy 20 pounds of coffee online. And if I do that, I can maybe sell some to friends to just kind of cover my costs and maybe I could be drinking coffee for free almost. And then, you know, I started like bagging it and stamping it myself and then we bought a little roaster and we put it in a shed behind our house, um, which was like a little two kilo roaster, bought it used and then just started roasting on that. And it was, we were kind of almost outgrowing that the shed. And I got a gig serving espresso and coffee at like a bike event called uh, the Sea Otter Classic up in Monterey. And that was like three days. So I bought an espresso machine that could actually run on propane and we served it. And I like learned how to make espresso. I took like a barista training class. And then I've got this space where our first cafe was, which you've been to. I wouldn't even call it a cafe. And it just all kind of grew from there. So it wasn't until it was always just like a a passion project. Well, I guess it still is because it's not like I'm buying a house on the ocean or anything like that. So (laughs) definitely always passion oriented, you know. And once we got in that small space, I just wanted to roast coffee, bag it. People are like, you should serve coffee here too. I was like, I know nothing about serving coffee or running a cafe. So I literally just, you know, I think the first day I was open, we were open like seven to 1230 because I had another job like three days a week, we would be open and, you know, we'd get like one, two people that would come by a day. (laughs) (laughs) And then eventually we got, you know, started to get busier and busier. Like, oh, wow, we actually sold a hundred dollars worth of coffee today. That's cool. And just slowly learned and did a bunch of research on how to do everything from running the cafe to roasting and brewing and, and all that. So I remember um, how it started. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those, those first bags you were uh, tagging uh, with the name Boogie Beans. Um, right. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, full disclosure, I had done a couple of uh, bike rides with you where you were serving those beans uh, at a donut break with at Patagonia. And right, I remember yeah. trying those beans and then a year later trying your beans at steady state. And then a year later trying your beans and your progression uh, from, you know, was so quickly, it seemed like, compared to, I remember going, oh, this is okay, this is good. And then the next one was like, oh, this is good. And then the next one was like, I actually wrote it down. Uh, I was I saved it to show you today. The last time I was in your coffee shop, I wrote down uh, that your house coffee, Space Traveler, and I wrote, this might be the best cup of house coffee in all of San Diego. And so, and it's only been a few nice. years, so... I remember thinking that and and just being like, wow, it's been a really quick progression. But what what inspired you to change the name from Boogie Beans, which is I think uh, kind of a nickname based on you, to Steady State? And what does that yeah. mean? What is Steady State? What's the meaning behind that? Yeah, I you know coming from a cycling background, Steady State is used in that in terms of training and stuff. Um, I had like Boogie Beans, but it was kind of like uh, if I want to do this, it's a little childish almost and. I didn't want the name to deter people from coming by, you know, whether it be a grandmother or grandfather, like, oh, I don't want to get coffee from something called Boogie Beans or a hipster might not think it was cool or something, you know, so I didn't want the name to be a deterring factor for people to come try the coffee. The main goal has always kind of been like, 
a place where everybody can enjoy coffee. So steady state's kind of open. I like the idea of naming it after cycling, but I didn't want it to be shoe cycling oriented. Like my friend Curtis has Presta Roasters in uh, Tucson. He's an expert cyclist. And then um, the crew has Handlebar Roasters up in Santa Barbara. And, you know, they're very cycling oriented, like they're bike parts. And it's cool, but I didn't want to be like kind of foothold into cycling because I still like surfing and other things too. So cycling, like steady state relates a little bit to cycling in the term for the zone that you train in and stuff like that. It has a scientific aspect to it, which, you know, coffee has a lot of scientific meaning. When nothing is like in an increasing or decreasing state, it's in an equilibrium, it's said to be in steady state. And we were also located on State Street and still are our addresses. So it's kind of like, oh, I kind of always had the name and then we just decided to make the switch one day. Like, okay, let's just switch. It. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that was the main reason, yeah. You know, we've been talking a little bit about biking already uh, real quickly, and and coffee reminds me a lot of biking in the sense, or mountain biking in particular, or surfing, where once you start it and you get hooked, the next thing you know, you've kind of thrown yourself into it, and you're spending all your time and all your money on it. And I'm wondering if it also has, if coffee also has sort of a competitive aspect to it for you, if it satisfies some of that. You know, I know you compete in certain coffee contests, but, but just with your background as an athlete, if there's any of that for you on a mental level or on a growth level? Yeah, no, I think I'm actually not a competitive person that much, really. Honestly, it's probably why I was never actually good at mountain biking. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd be like, oh, you're my friend. Yeah, we're doing so well. You can beat me. I don't really care. You know, um, I think I'm almost competitive in a nature to assure me that what I'm doing is good in a sense, you know? Like, that's the reason I kind of do the coffee competitions because you kind of want to know from a judge, like a professional panel, like what you're doing, how it stacks up in their quote unquote professional eyes in the coffee community. That's kind of why I did that. It's not really like I want to be the best. It's like I want to know how we're doing in other people's eyes and just to kind of size everything up because I might like it, but you can be very biased if you're doing your own thing, you know. I'm sure it's kind of the same thing. A lot of home brewers, like you said, it starts out as a passion and you just kind of dig like fall right into the trap of wanting to do more and more and learning and learn and learn. So it's not really, I would say it's not really like a thing to satisfy competitiveness. It's the, it's almost a justification of what we're doing is on the right track of what we want to be, you know? Sure. Was there a point where that feedback started switching for you from like, I'm being nice to you because you're my friend to like, oh, no, like I'm actively seeking out your coffee and, and enjoying it. You, yeah, you know, it? when you're doing it, you're, you learn who your real friends, like your good friends are, not real friends because real friends, but your good friends, they'll be like, hey, this is not good. And you're like, oh, thank you for letting me know. Where like, you know, all your other friends, they're like, oh, I love what you're doing. It's so great. And it could be the worst cup of coffee they've ever had, but they would never tell you because they're your friend and they're like, yeah, you love what you're doing. It's great. It's the worst cup of coffee I ever had, but uh, keep on doing it, you know. Um, so <laughs> it's really, it's good to have like those five people that would say, hey, this is weird. Something's off. And I still have some friends that do that now, you know, that are pretty good at brewing coffee at home and letting letting me know what's going on. Like, hey, did you mess this roast up? And it's like, well, let me go back and look. And, you know, maybe something weird happened. Maybe they got the wrong coffee was put in a bag. You never know what could happen. But it's always good to have people like that to kind of keep you in, in check and keep yeah. everything real. When you have kind of a house blend, there's a consistency that people expect too. And that can be difficult when 
you know, beans are a continually evolving organic item. It's not something that right. um, that you just buy from a store and it stays the same until you use it. Hey everyone, I'll be right back with the second half of my conversation with Elliot Reinecke. But first, some words about Emmy and Lil Fine Jewelry. Handcrafted, one-of-a-kind necklaces, earrings, bracelets, and some super cool copper fire pieces are available at emmyandlil.com now. Or check out their Facebook shop. Just search for Emmy and Lil or check out the links in our show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, check out roastwestcoast.com. You'll find more coffee content, including show transcripts, recaps, and promotions. Please consider subscribing to the bonus content, which directly supports the creation of this show and future shows. A special thanks to Ryan Bradford for being a supporter and being a great writer whose Awkward SD newsletter is always a welcome sight in my own inbox. You can find it at awkwardsd.substack.com. And now, back to the show. I know yeah. you were in Brazil recently, uh, right before the coronavirus hit, I believe, visiting yeah. farms. How, how has that changed? Or how has like, finding your own beans and sourcing uh, been something you've gotten into? Yeah, that's been, it's been really a big game changer for us. You know, we started doing that like three and a half years ago. Just going, you don't really know until you've been there, like how many different variances and different things that can affect the outcome of coffee, you know? They affect the price, the quality, the consistency. I mean, it, it, it varies just so much. And until you can actually go there and you can go to a bunch of farms and see how everybody's doing their coffee picking and their processing and everything, you don't really have an understanding, you know? And then there's all kinds of other aspects that affect your buying decision, like are they removing rainforest to plant coffee trees? Like, is that good? Are they using herbicides or pesticides that are going down into the water that are ruining other people's lives? Like, I don't want to buy coffee. That, that's not what we want anyone to really be doing, you know? There's so many, just so many different things that affect the taste and, and everything. It's really hard. And like you were talking about, creating a seasonal or a year-round staple blend is difficult to do from a buying perspective, too, because... Usually if it's a blend, you want to keep it on the lower price side. So you need to find something that is like high quality, consistent. You can buy year round, year after year at the same price, you know. So getting to know the farmers and like talking to them, telling them what you need, then they know what they can kind of grow. And then when the harvest starts happening, they know, okay, I need these 30 bags for steady state at this price point and in this taste profile. And once you get to have that relationship, it's great. Because you can rely on them, they rely on you, and even though it's just like a handshake, and there's really no—I mean, a lot of times, sometimes you do have like uh, you, you sign contracts and everything, but it's just—I mean, you're you know thousands of miles away, and now during the pandemic, we can't really go there. But I talk to all of our farmers on WhatsApp and say, hey, I'm asking how they're doing, how's the harvest, you know, what taste profiles do we have? Can we do this taste profile again? You know, and seeing how it is, because a lot of times they could have a drought, they could have too much rain, the harvest could be late, they could have a lot of weird fermentation, they could lose like half of their crop, they could have horror beetle infestation, they could have rust leaf attack, like so many things can happen. So many variables that, that I just don't think about when I'm like making a cup of coffee at home or I'm buying a yeah. cup of beans and I'm going, well, I don't know, I paid this much money, it better be good and not thinking about all the things that it took to get there. You know, it had that that bean had to go through this process and through so many hands before it got to you and eventually to me. Yeah, right. I think one of the biggest bummers for the coffee industry 
not a bummer really, but compared to like wine and beer and everything is we still rely on you, on, you know, on people that don't really know much about coffee to go home and make the coffee to then be the judge, if you would, about everything. Like that's kind of the nice thing I like about like cold brew cans and things like that. It's like, this is what we think is best representative of this coffee here in a can ready for you to drink. So it's still so crazy. It's still so crazy to me. Like it goes through all those hands to get here and then we just get it out there in the world and hope that somebody does a good job. <laughs> <laughs> I I would be lying if I didn't say that while I was kind of getting ready for to talk to you this morning, I forgot how much time was on my French press timer, you know, and, yeah, I, man, and I let it roast for or let it uh, brew for a little bit too long. And, and I noticed that stuff now, but I probably wouldn't have, you know, before uh, I started, right. started getting into this a little bit more, but um, so, yeah, you really are dependent on your customers to, to care about it as much as you do. And some will and some won't, but, but hopefully it works out. You mentioned not being able to like go visit farms right now. Obviously, the pandemic has impacted everybody and small businesses in particular. How has it impacted you guys? How have you adapted and adjusted? You know, what are you guys um, doing to, to manage? Yeah, we got we, all of the owners. We got together really early and had a meeting. And came up with a game plan of, okay, as long as we can feel safe and our employees feel safe, we want to try not to close. We want to be there for the community as long as it's safe and just for us being able to, to sustain and, and make it through everything. As quickly as we possibly could, we kind of put a table by the front door, you know, brought one from the warehouse. And we switched to mobile online ordering only for a while um, to limit contact. And we just like adapted, like every day you would wake up and you would, or the night before you would read, you know, or watch the press release and you'd say, okay, now tomorrow we have to do this. And, you know, you're in, I'm in there the next day, like getting an online ordering app going so that everything goes. And it's kind of been interesting. We've streamlined a lot of the ordering. We now still offer mobile ordering. We put like kitchen display screens up. Everything's kind of like electronically integrated now. So it's easier for the baristas. We put a pickup window in right next to like the door since we have a small little space so you can order online and your drink will be ready when you get there we just like literally just wake up every day and you're like okay what do we have to do today that's different you know and now we're trying what we're trying to do now is one of the hardest the things that big bummer is yo-yoing you know like okay we can open and people come in and then they get used to coming in at 25 percent capacity and then we get shut down again and then people have to go back out and then you have to change all your systems and the way you do everything over and over again so we're literally just going to stick to what we're doing as long as we can until we feel it's super safe to reopen, you know, because we're, I mean, I'm sure our sales have definitely dropped as everybody's has. And we're literally just kind of trying to make it to the end of this and hope for the better and see what happens on the other <laughs> side, you know. We're kind of lucky because we have a great community here. And I think we're, you know, we never have a good location. We, all of our majority of our customers are local we don't really rely on tourists so it's really cool especially the early parts of the pandemic to see like everybody came together and they were there to support us and we were there helping them out you know as much as we could so it's been an interesting last six months eight months that's for sure some good things and some bad things yeah i've heard from a lot of people who said that like being able to get a cup of coffee was something especially in the beginning that made them feel normal you know when so many yeah. things were changing and we're all sort of getting used to this this pandemic lifestyle now, but I still think that that's one of those things that people really cherish. Entering yeah. the the holiday season, 
you know, do you guys have any any plans uh, coming up for like holiday stuff or ways that people can support you or buy coffee as a gift or anything like that that we should know about? Yeah, we're going to launch a new website very soon. Right. We want to get it up by Black Friday. That's our goal. Um, we're going to have two subscription services on there. One that's going to be kind of like your daily driver that we can recur as often as you like. And it's going to be all of our staple coffees that are offered year round. And then we're going to have a special one that's going to be called something like Roaster Select, Roaster's Choice, or Barista's Choice, where it's going to be all of our harder to store, harder to find, higher end, if you would, coffees that are really unique that are going to be released once a month. And that's what we're really working, look, uh, been working on the last couple months. We're going to have some more swag and stuff. We did some really cool tie-dye shirts by a local guy. We only did 30, and we're going to do that again before the holidays, too. They're all unique, and we number them, and you have to pick them on Instagram or claim it or come by and get it. On the weekends, we're actually allowed to take over the car park some, so we can actually put, like, 20, 20 chairs out there. So if, if everyone's wants to kill some time on the weekends or come hang out with friends, you can come out and everything's modular. So you can move the chairs and little tools around and everything to kind of make do. And that's about it, really. We'll have probably like another during the holidays to a uh, like a coffee sampler pack, you know, that make good gifts or make it fun to just brew coffee while you have some downtime over the holidays. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm going to finish up this uh, session here with two questions. One, just OK. Anything else you want listeners to know about kind of steady state roasting or the, the story of steady state or just in general what you guys are doing? And two, uh, the easiest one, I hope, is on days when you're not working, what style of coffee are you drinking? Days when I'm not working, usually we make an AeroPress. Now, I'll give you the recipe. It's a staple 15 grams of coffee. Fill the AeroPress all the way up with 210 degree water. Uh, with a 30-second bloom, let it steep for two minutes, no longer one paper filter, and press it, and that's it. But I, too, like you today, I was cooking eggs and butter and toast and everything and let my air press steep for like five or six minutes or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, that and then Steady State, you know, we're just a little local coffee shop bringing great coffees from around the world for everyone to try and do our best to represent coffee as what it is similar to wine you know we have a lot of single varietals single origins like there's so many different varietals even of coffee that people don't even know about you know similar to beer how five years ago nobody even knew what an ipa well barely knew what an ipa was now people are like i like mosaic hop or i like citra hop so we're hoping that like people can learn more about di different varietals different processing methods and, and all that in coffee too so awesome well i appreciate yeah. you uh coming on the show and, and i'm sure people are excited to try your coffee yeah, man. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for always being a fan. Episode 2 is now in the books, and I've got the shakes from my second cup of great coffee. A big thank you to Elliot for coming on this show and for making some really damn good coffees. One of the best ways for you to support Steady State Roasting is to buy bags of coffee beans. Order them online at SteadyStateRoasting.com and have them shipped to your address, or purchase the beans and order a specialty drink to pick up from their sensory cafe right on State Street in Carlsbad Village. If you order online, don't forget to use the promo code OWL10 that's Owl Like the Bird, 10 Like the Number, to get a bonus 10% off for listeners of this show. And follow at Steady State Roasting on Facebook and Instagram for updates on their holiday gift packs and specialty t-shirt promotions. You can always find links in this show's notes or on roastwestcoast.com. 
Thank you for joining me for the next few months while we explore the coffee roasters of North County, San Diego. Be sure to subscribe and review wherever you're listening to great podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, and basically everywhere. Reviewing this show actually really helps and we certainly appreciate it. Later this week, Chris O'Brien, founder of Coffee Cycle, will be back to help us get coffee smarter. Keep an eye out for that show on Friday. Before I sign off, I want to thank the Coast News Group for collaborating with me on this project. Check out the coastnews.com's podcast directory. You'll find this show there and plenty of other great content, including the North County Beat Podcast, hosted by my friend and colleague Kelly Kyle. This episode of the Roast West Coast Podcast has been produced and recorded and written by me, Ryan Wolt. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the bonus content at roastwestcoast.com. Be swell out there, try to stay sane, and remember, always drink good coffee.